Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, 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 happy Monday. Uh, Thanks for hanging out with us. More music coming up right here on Channel Q, but we're into the let's go there part of the day. Hell yeah, we are, and I'm living for it today, you know? Uh, Oh, tell me more. Just because, like, you know, this weekend I've had a lot of crazy crap happen. What? Yeah. I I don't even know this. This is real time. Well, you did know it because I texted the group chat on Friday. What happened? Oh, Friday night. I thought you said, okay, yes. And this weekend, yeah. It feels like forever ago, your text from Friday, to be honest. I know it does. Yeah. Friday, it was such a crazy thing that happened at the bar. I felt like a Grey's Anatomy episode where a friend of mine, unfortunately, had a seizure. And I completely... I've learned from that situation that I'm not the friend to be around in emergencies. Oh, really? I think, I think, you know, I did a great job. I was a really great person to yell at the bartenders being like, what are you doing? Oh, you were the yeller. Yeah, I had to do that because they were just like staring. And I'm like, could you please call 911? But after that, I was Mm. like, oh, well, maybe she needs some food. And I just kept asking the bartender for chicken tenders. That was my only, that was literally the only thing I could think of. I was like, maybe she's depleted. Um, and that was like, I just don't know. I've watched all these seasons of Grey's Anatomy and I couldn't do a damn thing. I, I didn't think about checking her pulse. Pulse. I didn't think about checking anything. That's why uh, one of those uh, certifications or lessons and like how to save someone's life is helpful. I don't right? know. You I know, will... like you learning the Heimlich and the CPR. I don't think we need CPR. to, though. We didn't need to just because we were in a good neighborhood and so the medics came in seconds. But you just never know. We, they came in literal seconds. Really? I was like, wow. Were y'all around the corner? And wow, I, they, yeah. they were just sitting there waiting for someone to have a seizure. They actually are around the corner in that area. But yeah. um, that's good. That's a good thing. I'm happy. It was pretty wild. She's hopefully feeling better. Yeah, she's feeling, she's most definitely feeling better. She takes me the next day and she's doing she's up on, on the up and up i will say she's a vegan okay good to know. <laughs> okay. you know i'm just saying you know there's a uh, lack of something right. out here giving seizures i'm just saying eat meat don't y'all. put out misinformation ryan <laughs> well a uh, lot's coming up uh, you know the weekend happens which means a lot of news to catch up on there's a new report that reveals the impact of the florida don't say gay bill 3 20 p.m pacific 6 20 p.m eastern Plus, a site that will show you the impact of climate change by area code. That's in 30 minutes. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. Lots of news coming out about this Georgia trial on Trump's election interference. Like, Lindsey Graham is being subpoenaed to testify, though he is trying to appeal it. And now Rudy Giuliani is a target of the widening election interference investigation. And on the other side of it, you know, we have the DOJ getting involved. I mean, this is happening from all angles right now. It's hard to keep up, to be honest. 
And here's Representative Scott Perry on um, his phone being taken by the DOJ in relation to his involvement in the January 6th insurrection. Every single American needs to be looking at this point, unfortunately, over their shoulder because the federal government is coming for them. Every single little thing that you might have done. We're yeah, unfortunately we're now at the place where it was it was said in the past. You show me the man, I'll show you the crime. Mm. Th- that seems to be the American we live in exactly. right now. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, yeah, that happens when you don't acknowledge what happened and you try to skirt the issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, hello. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be com- continuing to cover this as more comes out in the coming days because I'm sure more will come out this week. Moving on to Brittany Griner, her lawyers have appealed the nine-year prison sentence she received earlier this month. A legal expert, though, told Insider that the appeal is unlikely to reduce Griner's sentence which is really scary. I really hope something's done, or at least on the administration side, this prisoner swap. Don't know what's going to happen, but something has to happen. And moving on to Michigan, the Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel, Michigan's first openly gay top statewide official, has joined a coalition of 16 attorneys generals from across the country in filing an amicus brief opposing Florida's Don't Say Gay law. The brief claims two main points, that, quote, Florida's law is extreme, And, quote, the law is causing significant harms to students, parents, teachers, and other states. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right. We're finally hearing from Adele um, because she is speaking out about the real reason her Vegas residency was canceled. Mm -hmm. It's time for the Tea Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Um, So in an interview with Elle, the vocal powerhouse discussed why she chose to cancel her Las Vegas residency and how disappointing her fans had devastated her. Quote, it was the worst moment in my career by far. By far, I was so excited about those shows. It was devastating, she admitted. Uh, She also said there was just no soul in it. Um, Talking about like the original setup and the original uh, show. She said the stage setup wasn't right. It was very disconnected from me and my band and it lacked intimacy. And maybe uh, I tried too hard to give it those things in, in, in such a controlled environment. She even like talked about how embarrassed she felt and how she went into hiding. And then the crazy thing is, to let you know that Adele is just like this, she literally created like a fake Twitter account so she could be nosy and like check on her fans to see what all the fans were saying. Really? Yeah, she literally was like, I I was, she was going through all the critical comments and I guess it got too much for her and she just deleted it. Now, people are wondering, are we going to get any more Adele promotion? Is she going to drop a music video for 30? Because I do feel like 30 came and went. Um, she more or less did say that she does have at least one unreleased music video for the album in the archives. And so maybe she'll drop that because I am kind of wanting that. I really did like that album. I know a lot of people had a mixed review about it. Did you end up listening to the album? Besides the main mu- uh, song? No, I need like, to get what's the ma- Oh, the main song was... This one? Oh, no. I, this was not the main song. Easy on me was the first single? Yeah. it's for, You always forget. Girl. It all kind of blends together. See, I like the one where uh, she's like having the moments with her little son and, and she's talking. I forgot about that. Wow. I haven't listened to that in a minute. Um, now, she did say in her Vegas residency um, that she revealed that this show will actually follow the story of her career. So I guess she got her act together and they figured out a way to reimagine what this whole thing was. She said, I want to tell the story of the beginning of my career to now. I'm not going to give too much about it, but the show grows. It's going to be really beautiful. So I'm excited for it. I mean, I ain't going, but 
I know somebody is. Uh, you know, yeah. So I guess she didn't drop it completely. She's just no, no. no she dropped the folks that. Oh, the producers. The okay, one. so she's coming out. So like, cause that was a big deal. Like she got a lot of money from that deal. Yeah, so she was always going to do it. She just had to take a break and recalibrate. Got it. You know, when it doesn't work, you got to no, figure it out. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It's true. When you have a really like bad team and it's totally not what you're thinking, yeah. you need to like cut it that moment or else then if you're already, the train has left the station, it's left the station. But it's hard to do that when everyone was very critical over it. Totally. You know? That was a very ballsy it, move. Yeah, and I just know it's going to be so worth it because she is incredible on the stage. Maybe I will go. I just hate that those Vegas residencies are like so much money. Like, they're always, like, $700 plus. Yeah, Yeah, it's just to get, like, a decent seat. Yeah. Girl. It's not very accessible. Well, that's your team report. We got more coming up next hour. Actually, Doja Cat literally dragged the internet um, for always having something to say about her new look. We'll talk Mm. about that next hour. All right. Well, there's rumors of Trump having, quote, you know, classified documents relating to nuclear weapons. But what exactly could those documents include? What's going on? The latest next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Of course, we've all heard already about this Washington Post report that um, said that classified documents relating to nuclear weapons were among the things that FBI agents found at the Mar-a-Lago FBI raid uh, last week. There were also a bunch of examples of secret, confidential, top secret documents listed on the official property receipt from the seizure that was also released Friday. Uh, Meanwhile, Trump is calling it a hoax and many, like Representative Mike Turner, who are part of the GOP, are saying that this is clearly targeted and being blown out of proportion. It's true that he has classified information or what it is or that it was about nuclear weapons. Uh, I can tell you that there are a number of things uh, that that are... classified that fall under the umbrella of nuclear weapons, but that are not necessarily things that are truly classified. Um, And um, many of them you can find on your own phone as we as we stand here. And if they fall within that category, they're not an an imminent uh, national security threat that would rise to the level of you have to raid uh, Donald Trump's home and spend nine hours there. Okay. well, back with us is political commentator Jackie Coppell. Thanks for being here. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So much has happened since we last had you on. Can't even keep up. Uh, Which is it, though? Is it not as bad as the FBI and the Democrats are making it out to be, or was this clearly warranted? Well, I think, to be honest, no one knows, right? It's unclear, and we may never, to be honest, fully know what what the details were, because, yes, we know that the warrant was unsealed, but what, what, um, what did the Justice Department present what was so compelling that the judge said, yes, I'm going to even offer uh, the search warrant, that is actually something that may or may not become public. Now, there is a push to obviously make that public because people are saying, well, hey, what was so compelling that it was, oh, of course we have to read, you know, uh, or search, I should say, search uh, uh, former President Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. So we may never know exactly what is involved. Um, In terms of is it is it classified enough, right? There are different levels of classifications, and some of these were called special access, right? That is, like, higher than classified, higher than top secret. So while some documents may be deemed classified but not all be that classified uh, in the scheme of things, once you get to these higher-level uh, labels, that actually does imply that a smaller group of people is able to see it, should see it, can see it, uh, and that the information there really is probably uh, quite, uh, well, should be kept a secret, quite frankly. <laughs> so yeah. that's where we are. Well, it's so interesting because 
I, you know, Trump has been claiming like, oh, this is normal for former presidents to have files like this. I mean, he even threw out there that President Obama kept a ton of classified documents. And I always wonder, because you always look at things from both sides, is this something that is normal for pre former presidents to have some documents that are, are, do they all return these documents back to the National Archives? No, this is not, this is not normal. This is, this is very atypical. The National Archives are supposed to have everything. Uh, it, has, it has been reported that, that Trump, you know, has destroyed documents, which is a huge problem. But more than that, and, in, and I guess a twist of irony, it's found to have violated federal law in removing and retaining these classified documents without authorization. He actually signed a law that strengthened the punishment for such a thing. Now, this was when he was president. Uh, this was after, you know, Hillary and emails. And so I, I assume as a under the guise of, of saying we have to we have to really make sure our secrets are kept secret. Uh, he 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 made this a felony. Yeah. So ironically, he he's in effect being sort of caught by his own law. Um, but, yeah, but, I know that. You yeah. know, sorry, go ahead. No, I was saying, but then they're making it like the FBI is part of the in, this insurrection or something. Literally taking the January 6th wording of how we've talked about these attackers and putting it right. on now the FBI and the administration. Well, I think that this is an interesting thing. And if you, if you parse between the language that some, some folks on the right are using and others are using, there is concern that they're going after the FBI when, when quite frankly, there is a reputation, whether warranted or not, that Republicans at the right are very pro-blue, very pro-law enforcement. So this attack on the FBI really goes against what that reputation is and could actually hurt uh, Republicans, hurt the right, because law enforcement may say, look, we're just doing our job. The law says we have to go search. We're, you know, like the FBI didn't come up with this. This was the Justice Department. There was a judge that signed off on this. They're yeah. doing their jobs. And, and I think it's, it, again, if you listen to some of the Republicans, they've really backed off on blaming the FBI, recognizing that's probably not a road they want to go down. Yeah, and about two hours ago, Trump tweeted on uh, his social, his Truth Social account that the FBI actually, uh, he said, they stole my three passports, one expired, along with everything else. This is an assault on a political opponent at a level near never seen before in our country, which had me thinking, like, has any former president had their passports taken? Like, this just feels crazier and crazier and crazier. I'm just wondering when we will get the information. When will we know how devastating this action is? is and will anything be done about it can what do you think what can you predict possibly i think what in terms of whether things what things were taken right if you look at the warrant that was unsealed they were allowed to take any boxes that looked like it may contain classified information now i truth be told i don't know whether his passport is deemed part part of documentation that be, should be in the national archives that may be the case if that's the case that's why they took it uh, it's possible the passports may have just been in a box with other information that was deemed classified or in rooms where it was possible that that was the case. They were there for nine hours. They collected a lot of stuff yeah. because the warrant uh, was pretty broad and it did allow, it said, wherever, you know, wherever you could go. Now, from what I've read from reports, it, it indicates that a lot of people, or I, I can't put a number on it, but more people than just the president had access to walking into rooms where these documents may have been held, in which case that leaves it open to be 
be taken by the FBI and, and to be seen and say, okay, well, how at risk was the United States? What secrets may be in here? And what, what could we have possibly lost? Yeah. All it, right. is, it is a potentially very serious yep. thing. But regardless, a crime is a crime, right? And at what point do you say, well, someone is a former president, so, you know, they get a, you know, an easier go, go of it. Totally. The bar seems to have just been dropped below even the ground here. Well, that was Jackie Coppell, political commentator. Thanks again. Thank you. Now, coming up next, this heat wave could be the new normal for us all. What does it look like where you live? That's up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Now, if you thought this summer has been hot, well, think again, because according to a new data that was released today by the nonprofit First Street Foundation, it seems that these temperatures that we know now might be the new normal for the future. Joining us is climate change reporter Anna Phillips from The Washington Post. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Okay, so what was the process of figuring out this data? And I guess what was it saying uh, that we should be expecting? So this data was put together by the First Street Foundation, and they threw together a bunch of different uh, pieces of information. They plugged in climate models that are, you know, internationally accepted, uh, that are used all over the globe. They considered surface temperatures and tree cover and how much asphalt is in your neighborhood and how much, how close you are to the water. And uh, what they came up with that's really interesting is property level heat projections, which means that you can put in your address and you can see what your climate is likely to look like 30 years from now. That's pretty incredible stuff. How will this change where we all live and the infrastructure of our cities? Well, I don't know that it's going to change where we live in the short term, right? I mean, people make decisions about where they live mostly based on uh, you know, what they can afford and where they can get a job. And what we know from census data is that Americans tend to move from uh, the Northeast and the Midwest to the Sun Belt. So people are actually moving into parts of the country that are going to get a lot hotter. And uh, what, this, what this data showed is that states that are in the South, uh, from the Southeast to the Southwest, the whole, the whole kind of rim, um, are likely to see the largest increases in temperature and humidity over the next 30 years compared to the rest of the country. Yeah, and which brings up, because I'm someone from the South, and I think being queer and Black and all these different intersections, it really does bring up a huge risk factor to those that belong in marginalized communities. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, what this data showed, our analysis of the data showed that in particular, uh, the you know, black Americans are at the greatest risk of seeing, you know, huge increases in temperature. And part of that is where people live, you know, and it's also kind of the composition of their neighborhoods. There's been a lot of research showing that neighborhoods that were redlined, which means that banks uh, kind of uh, made decisions that, and, and notified uh, investors that these were not good places to, to that, you know, put their money Places that were redlined decades ago today are hotter than surrounding neighborhoods. And that's because they have more asphalt, they have more concrete, they're less likely to have parks. Um, all of the things that we know today are going to cool down a neighborhood aren't in those places. And so the people who are least equipped to deal with temperatures and have contributed the least to climate change are going to be the most affected. Yeah, that's really horrible. And then it kind of goes back to my question before, like, isn't this then on 
local politicians and lawmakers. That, and I would say someone like Pete Buttigieg, who's the head of infrastructure, shouldn't he be thinking of something like this, too? You know, absolutely. I mean, and uh, and I think you're seeing that. I mean, this is, this is an administration that talks about, you know, uh, the fact that there are, you know, urban heat islands, which is what I just referred to, where you have neighborhoods that are incredibly hot compared to the wealthier neighborhoods that are nearby. Uh, and they, they have put money in this in this most recent um, tax and uh, climate bill that is about to get the president's signature probably this week. There is money in there for environmental justice communities who have borne the brunt of climate change to make changes to these communities to cool them down. Yeah, and I, I think everyone's really wondering, is it too late? I mean, it does seem like... Uh, throughout history we've seen scientists and folks who study the climate really say hey we need to get up on this and it feels like yes we're making those changes but is it too late for us to kind of get ahead of these things i don't think anybody who studies climate change seriously would ever tell you that it's too late right i mean Fundamentally, if we can reduce the amount of uh, greenhouse gas emissions that we are putting into the atmosphere, we can change the outcomes on the ground. The question is, what can you do kind of over the next 30 years, over the next 50 years? And it's true that we have put so much carbon pollution in the atmosphere that a lot of these changes are locked in. So when we're talking about making a difference today, making changes to our emissions, we're talking about effects that we're going to see way down the road you know, uh, well past, you know, 30 years. So with this, how will it impact the future of work? Well, I think uh, it's pretty well documented that outdoor workers are at most risk for uh, extreme exposure to extreme heat, heat illness, heat stroke. Uh, We know that uh, construction workers and farm workers in particular have the highest fatality rates uh, from heat exposure. And so um, at least, you know, in the short term, People who are working in agriculture in places like Florida, for instance, are going to be enduring much hotter temperatures. And so uh, in some parts of the country, uh, states have responded with, you know, passing new protections. But in most of the country, there are no safeguards for those workers. Okay, so I guess as we wrap this up, can you let everyone know how they can find uh, the way that they can input their zip code and figure out what's happening in their neighborhood? Um, on the website? I, I, I believe the website is riskfactor.com, but I'm not totally sure of that. <laughs> um, I know I know that there's a link from our story, and the, and the story is currently on the Washington Post homepage. Um, and then ultimately, all of this data gets loaded into realtor.com, and so you'll be able to put in your address and see not just the, the heat uh, exposure for your house, but also um, the flood risk and the wildfire risk. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. This was really interesting to find out, especially as these climate change conversations are coming more to the forefront. Anna um, Phillips, the climate change reporter at The Washington Post, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Next up, what causes cognitive fatigue and is there anything you can do about it? I could use a little help around this after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Are you tired these days? Or maybe you're just like, you know, that brain tired. It's beyond tired where you have mental exhaustion. Well, yes. it's called cognitive. If you're looking for an answer. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. Are you all nodding your heads here? It's called cognitive fatigue. 
Um, you know, and there's a reason why it happens. Supposedly, when you have to make a lot of difficult decisions, like it's just beyond just being busy or not getting enough sleep, but making uh, you know difficult decisions, it, you get a build up of this thing in your brain. And um, it's what converts food into energy. And so when you're when you're tired or when you're do- using it too much, it gets built up. And the only way to stop it from you know and to get it make it better is to basically get more sleep. Producer Shelby, I was reading this article. It was very uh, confusing to me, maybe because I have cognitive issues right mm-hmm. now because I have this built up. Can you explain? Break it down. Well, you basically got it. So this, I don't know the proper way to say this. I'm going to call it glutamate. Um, it can build up in your brain, and that is a really important chemical messenger allowing your brain cells to communicate with each other. So when you have a buildup of this glutamate, it makes it harder for the part of your brain that makes decisions to activate. So that means the more you're thinking, the mm-hmm. more you're doing, the more buildup there is, and then the harder it is to make decisions. So it's not the only way to fix this, but one way is to get more sleep, because once you're sleeping, that buildup starts to go away. Fall it, down, yeah. It, I mean, the only thing I'm taking away from this is buildup is never a good thing. True. Right? Uh, yes. I mean, the whole thing is, it's funny, because you think if you're w- working harder or thinking more, you're actually, your brain becomes smarter. Sometimes I think, like, we, there's something called neuroplasticity, and it means that you could teach yourself new things, and, uh, you know, you have, if your brain is functioning in a certain way, and you add something else to that routine, your brain can learn to do that. However, I think there's... Uh, uh, there's a moment where that becomes too much, where your brain's like, um, yeah. SOS, this is too much stuff to handle at once. Well, the interesting thing that popped up for me around this was like, I've just recently become like a, a like a coffee caffeine drinker. I feel like you go and sprint, like that happens in little bits for you, like you were and I'm then you went it, off. I'm doing it now. Oh, you're doing it again. Consistently. Oh. Like it's been like for the past, I mean, month and okay. some change. I've been consistently being like, I need coffee. Yeah, or just going to my coffee sh- local coffee shop Shoot. every single morning. Um, one expensive. Two. <laughs> yes. Uh, it it says in this article that caffeine is a last fi- and final go to, but that helps too. Just don't drink coffee later than noon. Nope. And I have realized like. I'm like, am I, have I gotten to the point where co- coffee doesn't even really help anymore? Like, it does feel like I am turning into one of those people that need to have, like, coffee, like, six times a day just to that's feel too much. something. Yeah, yeah, that's you know? Bad. And I'm like, it, six is being a little facetious. I'm thinking, like, normally maybe, like, two. And if I really need it, three. But even that feels too much from having a moment where trying caffeine and it took a minute for it to work. But it caffeine for me has really, like... I need it at this point. Well, and I'm like, it's is a drug. It is an addict. It's addictive. Addictive. Yeah, it an is. addiction at this point. Yeah, it is. But I, I do also feel that I, you know, after a certain point of the day, if I've had it already, it doesn't really do anything. It doesn't. If you so, do it in the morning, yeah. by this time, it's where it's worn off. Well, that's why you do other things, whether it be what? not just sleep. Drugs? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Why, you Am know, I about say, to be like, I don't It's like making sure you have movement. On like, a new commercial for Adderall? <laughs> I don't know. What should I do? Uh, they, You know, there's different... Uh, I'm also figuring this out. You know, sometimes green tea, matcha helps. None of that holistic work. crap works. That's yeah. that's what's really annoying. All this holistic stuff that I feel like I read about or find out more about, none of that stuff Here's works. I've thing. had the matcha. Here's the Matcha's thing. just green. 
It don't do nothing else but be great. There is no cutting corners to giving yourself more energy when you are just depleted. And I think that is a thing. This goes back to hustle culture and our thing like we can do, be and do everything and anything we want. Guess what? We all have a max to all of us. So I think you have to know when you've maxed it out and like when caffeine's not going to do it and you actually need to step back and give yourself some rest. That's the answer. All right, next up, more of what's trending, including what tasteless joke Ted Cruz made about Elizabeth Warren. Oh, no. Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yes, and stick around for more of that great music here on Channel Q. But right now, let's get into some more show. Uh, there's a new report that shows the impact of Florida's Don't Say Gay law on online harassment. That's in 15 minutes. Then Biden is priding himself on the success of the current job market. But if it's so great, why are people still doing side hustles? That's also later on this hour. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. Headlines. Uh, Trump claims that FBI agents seized three of his passports during their, quote, sneak attack raid at Mar-a-Lago. And he warns that the DOG that terrible things are going to happen if it doesn't cool things down. But, you know, without a legal passport, Trump would not be able to travel outside of the U.S. It's unclear what passports were seized and if it was done because the former president is considered a flight risk. It's also unclear if Trump currently has a valid passport in his possession. 
And uh, moving on to footage that's emerged of Senator uh, Texas Senator Ted Cruz joking about Senator Elizabeth Warren potentially being a trans woman. Cruz made the comments at a rally in Nevada. Elizabeth Warren <laughs> told reporters that a guy came up to her and said, I would have voted for you if only you had a penis. <laughs> now let me say two things about that. Number one, that story is a lie. Produce this fictional person because this human being does not exist. That is not even one one thousandth and twenty-fourth truth. <laughs> but number two, in today's Democrat Party, how do we know she doesn't? <laughs> Gross. All right, uh, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, um, let's talk anything but that. That was the yeah, worst. Yeah, sorry, trigger warning. <laughs> uh, let's talk Doja Cat because she is um, slamming critics for her new look, of course. And, you know, we talked about how people, I guess, really haven't been able to handle her new look, but... Uh, it seems like she's kind of really over it at this point. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories are trending right now. Okay, I wanted to find a Doja story, so you know me. I mean, I have a Doja story. So, uh, after shaving her head and eyebrows, um, she's hitting back at critics of her new look. She basically said this, and I'm not going to be able to repeat the whole thing because, girl, it's bleep, bleep, bleep worthy. She said, I won a Grammy and traveled the effing globe. I've had a number one and I went platinum. I make hit after hit after hit, and you all want me to look effable for you so that you can go home and blank, 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 blank. I'm going to let you think about it. Um, And she says, you can go all do those blanks while you live in your mother's basement. Adding, go F yourselves. (laughs) Now, I do feel like this is really interesting because we do have a history in pop culture where when a, a woman specifically, or a femme presenting person specifically, shaves their head, it's yeah, deemed... People freak out. Oh, my God. And I thought we were over kind of that post, I mean, that that past Britney era when she shaved her head and did the whole umbrella thing. But it seems like her fans have really been intense uh, about the fact that she shaved all of her hair and they won't allow her to just simply exist. They think something's wrong with her. Is that wrong? Yeah, well, yeah. We shouldn't assume something's wrong with someone just because they do that. Well, see, what's the what's the balance? Well, I, I mean, she's talked about her mental health. She's been oh. open about, you Why know, that being you kind of worked out, ever worked since, hard. Like, Britney Spears, we think that if someone shaves their head, that they're, like, I, freaking out. Literally. I just, I just don't understand either. I mean, until she, like, she's been so vocal about her state and in time and the moment. I feel like she uses internet in ways that other celebrities don't. So if she te- if she lets us know that she's over it, she will let... I mean, remember when she said that she was retiring and she'll never make music again? Oh, she did she? do that. Yeah, she wow. did that. And so, like, who knows if that's still happening? So I, I do think fans, of course... They feel like, oh, we have to, you know, care about her and maybe something's going wrong. Let's watch well, her. But also just let her live her life. Yeah. She's always kind of been a little weird. Let it let, appreciate. Let her share what she wants to share when she wants to share it. Why don't we just like assume that this is just a good style look? Yeah, well, it's questionable if it is. Uh, that's your team report. <laughs> we got more coming up next hour. And uh, speaking of social media and mental health, uh, one celebrity, one actor, one major actor mm. is actually taking his break from social okay. media. Nice. Well, next up, a new report finds that anti-LGBTQ hate has surged online after Florida's Don't Say Gay law was put in place. More on this next. 
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Welcome back to the show. And uh, Human Rights Campaign Report says that anti-LGBTQ hate surged online, of course, after Florida's Don't Say Gay law was put into place. Not surprising, but we need the research to prove that, which is really unfortunate. Imran Ahmed, the CEO of the Center for Countering Digital Hate, joins us right now. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. So what was done um, when looking at, at doing this research? You know, what did they actually look at to come up with these results? So this report, which was written by the Center for Countering Digital Hate, working with the Human Rights Campaign, looked at the, the, the long-term trend of anti-LGBT hatred on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and other platforms as well, and found a, an alarming rise, in fact, a 400%, so a four times increase in the amount of hateful commentary around LGBT people, specifically linking LGBTQ plus people to grooming and child sexual exploitation after the passage of the Don't Say Gay Bill. And of course, driven by some really dangerous rhetoric, usually spread on social media from prominent figures. In fact, we found that just a few very prominent figures, the top 500 tweets, for example, were seen by millions and millions of people. 72 million. Wow. I mean, what's interesting here is it, it seems like social media websites or platforms specifically have said that they put things in place to protect certain rhetoric, certain things that kind of would go off to, um, you know, alert them of these kind of harassment. Is that not in play here? Hey, well, look, I mean, they said that and we wanted to go and test whether or not it was true, because actually partway through doing the research, these announcements were made by these platforms. So we told our researchers, you know what, scrap the data, go back and do it all over again. So our researchers went to Twitter, for example, and we reported hundreds of tweets to them containing the specific thing they said they'd ban, which is saying that gay people, LGBTQ plus people are involved in child explo exploitation and grooming. 99% of the time, 99 out of 100 times, they did nothing, even when it was reported to them using their own platforms reporting tools. So they talked a big talk. They told us they were going to protect LGBTQ plus people. They did it during Pride Month, even more cynically. But in reality, nothing. It's really unfortunate that no one has been listening. So now that this report is out, what's the response to this and the responsibility of these public personalities and politicians continuing to push this? Well, what we found was that every platform had some responsibility. Meta, for example, is taking, so Facebook, is taking ads, is taking paid ads. So they're taking money to have people advertise that LGBTQ plus people are involved in grooming and that Disney, for example, is a paedophile corporation. Uh, and yet the, answer, the, the response from these companies to date has been silence. And I'm afraid this is becoming all too common, that the platforms talk a big talk, you know, say they're going to do the, their utmost to protect people, and that they understand that if it's a safe space for hate actors, it's an unsafe space for LGBTQ plus people. Because, of course, there's a tax on their involvement, which is that every time they go on the platform, they have to face a wave of abuse and hatred targeted at them. Um, in fact, we're going to need action 
from advertisers who really have enormous sway over them. So 98% of the revenues for these platforms comes from advertisers. From the government, which can, which at the moment has given social media companies uniquely this liability shield where they're not responsible for any of the harms produced on their platform. But they're also going to have to account to the public and their users because their users by now know that these companies that once were seen as the shining bastions of American industry are in fact very, very relaxed about being one of the primary ways in which hate spreads in our societies today. Yeah, and I I guess I just wonder, every time I see a a new research and new data that's backing this up, which is so important because facts matter, I always wonder how much of a piece of the pie does this really, like, impact? Because it seems like Republicans are really good at changing the narrative to fit whatever they want to talk about. They ignore the fact that there's actual data and facts. So I wonder how much of an impact is, you know, a report like this actually doing when it comes to folks who actually need to actively see it and uh, make that change. Well, look, I mean, we, we see our job as identifying the problems and advocating for change. Sometimes that change happens quickly, and it has in the past. For example, when we've done reports looking at misinformation about vaccines or misinformation about sexual and reproductive rights. In this instance, they're taking longer than they should. But I do believe that over time, the pressure will tell, and we can get social media that is less antisocial. All right. Wow. This is like a TED Talk. You're amazing. He's so good. (laughs) Imran Ahmed, CEO of the Center for Countering Digital Hate. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Okay. Coming up next, American workers are currently experiencing one of the best job markets ever. So why are people still doing gig work? Huh? Well, I guess we'll find out up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. According to President Biden, the unemployment rate has matched a 53-year low, and while wages haven't kept up with inflation, they are rising. So with all that good news, why are we still seeing the gig economy thrive, and will that ever change? Joining us is Lydia DePillis, economics reporter at The New York Times. Thanks for being here. Happy to be here. You know, I wonder what this says about how we view, like, hustle culture in this country and, like, why are we even still doing gig work if the economy, the job market is thriving? That's right. Yeah, even by American standards, a thriving job market doesn't meet people's needs. And that's both because people need more money to live on and also because people need to sit work around their other obligations and regular conventional jobs that have employers and are paid with a W-2 just typically have not provided that, even though there's no reason why inherently they can't. Yeah. So with that said, should he really be boasting about this? Because isn't it like, you know, it, it doesn't really correlate because it's not like the jobs, even though we're at an all time high, as Ryan mentioned, like we're not getting the money that needs to be made to want to have one job. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that wage growth has been the fastest for those in the low end of the income structure in fields like leisure and hospitality and retail. So that's really great to see. They're some of the only folks who have been keeping up with inflation. But if you think about it, we're coming from such a low base where we had to, you know, work like for years or folks have fought for years to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, which is still not the reality in most of the country and which still can't pay for most things if you especially have any kids. So that, I think, is why 
we're still having folks are still having to find extra sources of income. Yeah, and I mean, we're obviously dealing with so much inflation right now. But in your article, you talked about how it's provided an extra incentive. What did you mean by that? Yeah, so companies like Uber and Lyft and DoorDash, which are among the only gig platforms that have to report their earnings because their public companies have said in the last couple of weeks that they've surveyed their drivers, they're seeing strong driver demand, which they struggled with in 2021, in part because people are having a harder time paying for their basic needs because prices have gone up and that has driven them to work more hours on their platforms or start driving when before they wouldn't have considered it. Is our are, are traditional jobs going to shift because of the gig economy? Do you think they're approaching how they uh, treat workers or those traditional jobs? Yeah, I do think that traditional employers are feeling some degree of competition for more flexible models of work. And like not all of the gig economy is simply driving on a platform or cleaning homes or walking dogs or whatever. Some of it is freelancing by choice, right? You have a skill and you want to have multiple clients and you want to be your own boss. Like that's the legitimate form of freelancing that I think did gain some popularity during the pandemic. There's also the form of independent contracting that's also that way, like construction and truck driving. So not all of this is like super exploitative and mediated by an online platform. Um, There are examples of uh, staffing companies helping employers in the service industries break up their work schedules into smaller increments, basically. So it looks like a gig job, but it does have those W2 benefits that help with things like workers' comp and unemployment insurance because those are provided through the staffing company. Well, that's the interesting thing and something that comes up for me and a lot of friends who are freelancers. I mean, yeah, they have the flexibility of figuring out their own schedule, but like I've seen major companies kind of start relying on independent contractors in ways where they're right. like, oh, well, we don't have to pay you benefits because you are an independent co- contractor. So what's the, the pros and the cons of this? Because it, it seems like there's a lot more cons than um, Absolutely, pros. yeah. There's trade-offs. And this isn't, again, just in the low-wage sectors. It's also in companies like IBM or Microsoft. They want people for a big project, and they want to be able to let go of them at the end of the day. So the question kind of becomes from a total benefits to workers perspective is, would these jobs exist in a stable long-term sense, if not for the ability to hire folks on a project basis and then let them go? I think that's a legitimate question, because it's like, if you're adding these jobs that wouldn't otherwise exist, I think maybe it's sort of defensible. If you are taking away stable permanent jobs and simply just parceling them out on an incremental basis, I think that really undermines stability for a lot of workers. Um, and it's still, it's still, I'm surprised by reporting on this, how different people's motivations are for participating in this work. Some people can't find an excellent, stable job, and that's sort of forced into the gig economy. Other people would don't want another boss ever in their lives and are really happy freelancing. So it's a really diverse population, and um, we just need to make sure there are types of work that fit as many people's needs as possible. Well, all right. Thank you so much for bringing this to our attention. I mean, if y'all want to go check out uh, Lydia's uh, article on this, go to the New York Times. It's actually great. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Lydia DePillis, uh, DePillis, uh, economics reporter at the New York Times. Thanks for being here. Thanks for reading. Of course. All right. Well, coming up on the show, uh, could your menstrual cycle influence your creativity?
Yes. I have so much to I say. I know. More next. So much. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. All right. Well, a new study has found that women tend to generate, or people who can menstruate, sorry. You know, all these studies are so binary, but... Uh, they said that they uh, get more original ideas during the fertile phase of their menstrual cycle. And so a lot of previous studies have found that uh, those who uh, have can menstruate show behavioral, physical, and cognitive changes during ovulation, like brighter eyes and skin and a higher libido, which, and this is so interesting, it's actually linked to ovulation and attracting a mate. Okay. We are animals. We are just such animals the way we do things, which is crazy. <laughs> Uh, you know, did you just find that out? That you and be... me, baby, ain't nothing but. Yeah, right. I don't know what song is that. You don't know that song? Oh my god, this is really. Either that was a really bad like cover of that song that you just gave us, or you don't have to. It's find from the it. Bloodhound Gang. The Never bad heard touch. of them. Yeah, and they that wear was such these a like. Random... I mean, speaking outfits. of period, Bloodhound sounds. <laughs> <laughs> so what's interesting there. is. I didn't even, I mean, I knew this. Like, we all know about PMS, right? You know to stay over. Never heard of it. Explain yeah, to right. me. You what? grew up with a woman. You grew up with your mom. Yeah. I, and yeah. Uh, and I'm sure people who. with plenty of girls. Yes. Uh, people who don't well, get periods kind yeah. of feel the other side of it, where when someone's in their, that period of their menstrual period. cycle, literally, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, stay away. Watch out. Yeah. Not to like, you know, stay shame people or like bring it up is but that that's a reality a is that actually a reality? it is a reality stay away yeah because you're hormonally a, off that a, i've always felt like that's or a, just be sensitive it's used be compassionate as, i've always felt that it was always brought up to to like i don't know in a negative way of being like it oh be, beware of that person they're on their they're on their menstrual cycle and it's just like okay yeah, I get it. Yeah, let's have some sensitivities. But does that not feel weird that there's like this negativity around the the way that your body just naturally works? Yeah, we should be normalizing it more and realizing that there are changes that are happening and it's not easy. And so we get to be one compassionate to ourselves and the people around us get to be compassionate to us. Right. Instead of being like, stay away and let's like make a joke. What do you ask it? for? What, like, I mean, I know you're being your boyfriend during your menstrual cycle is probably exhausting. What? We should get him on the phone. <laughs> Actually, we probably should have. Could, I, mean, I mean, that would have been do actually Do you want to call him right now? No. Oh, we have a few minutes. Come on. Do it live. No, he actually started, so here's the thing. Because I only say that because Shira loves to do, like, the baby talk. And we've all witnessed it. has nothing to do with my period. No, but I think you, I would, I could see you probably going into being like, oh, baby, I just want to like, No, if anything, I'm just like, why am I feeling so insecure? Why am I feeling so frustrated, like, and hard on myself? And he's like, mm. yeah, this happens, like. Sorry to say to you, like, while well, your feelings are valid, this also happens to happen every time at the same mo- time every month. Yeah, doesn't he, like, track your... your? He, there is an app called Flow. Is, is that, it, like, a partner thing? Like, is that someone, like, when you're in a relationship, people, that's something that Well, yeah, you should be do? tracking it for, uh, so you don't get each other pregnant. Oh, okay. Yes, so that's a thing. Okay. But, uh, so he's just a smart person. <laughs> it seems a little intense. Like, why are you tracking my uterus? But it also is be like I appreciate it because he 
actually has learned like more about like how to approach me because it's, it, one day I'll be like, "You're horny," and so we're like, "Okay, I'm gonna come over." Or one day I'll be <gasps> is like, "Is that what the app, the app yeah, is says, telling?" Yes, it says today oh, you're gonna be horny, no. and then another day what? might be like, "You're gonna and be sensitive." And are you actually in that mood? Yeah, sometimes I'll be like, I'll just text him, be like, "Oh, I'm feeling like I want to oh, get it girl, on," please. and I'll be like. You know- <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, the app said hormonally you're going to be horny. Or it might say you're going to be frustrated or bloated or you're going to be hungry a lot. And then I'll be like, I'm really hungry. I'm telling you. And there is true. I don't want this. I don't want there this There are a certain amount of, of days in your cycle where you have a lot of energy and creativity. And guess what? One, start tracking it if you get a menstrual cycle or if you are you know, with someone. Which actually isn't tracking now. I mean, there's been so many cases with Roe v. Wade that have been brought up about using these tracking apps that can backfire on If on you're in maybe a state that, that um, is going through this, you might not want to. However, um, you know, uh, I don't know what to say about that because I'm on flow, but... <laughs> And I live in a state where... <laughs> yeah. But I would say if you're in a place where you like you feel okay tracking your period, um, it's really just, interesting to so see what comes out of it. Yeah. Because you are... That's a lot of... I know we all kind of like when we're using the app, we we give the app uh, permission to like look at data and all that stuff. But that just feels well, really Well, you're intense. the one who's putting in like where you're at. So it's not like it's like tracking you like it's connected to your body and like seeing when you get it. You're the one putting in the information. So I you know, can put in whatever information you want. In yeah, but but you get you learn a lot about yourself. All I'm saying is after you uh, menstruate or get your period, you'll notice a ton of energy. Take advantage of that time because as I say, that's like the one week that you're probably the most normal you're going to be. Yeah. Yeah, take advantage of it. Create some things and make sure people... Get it. The name of your period, Red Talk, are your... <laughs> red Table Talk. And this is Red, red Table Talk. <laughs> All right, coming up, we got top of the hour news. Uh, Scotland, oh, actually, God. speaking of which, is the first company or country to give a certain type of product, regardless of gender, to their citizens. We'll tell you more about that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Uh, welcome back and more music coming up right here on Channel Q. But next up on the show, more on the science of resisting temptation. That's in 30 minutes. Plus, a celeb opens up about why he's taking a break from social media. That's in the tier report in a moment. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. Three people were injured Sunday evening in a shooting outside Six Flags Great America in Gurney, Illinois. Spokesperson for Six Flags Great America said three people were injured when shots were fired from a single vehicle in the parking lot. The vehicle immediately drove away from the scene following the shooting. And also following the shooting, the park closed early for the evening. Wow, very scary. Yeah, I saw the I saw a lot of videos on this. Um, 
and where people were like crawling through like Bob Bob where barb wire. wires. Yeah, is that what it's called? Barb Barb wire. Barbed. Barbed wire. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a word I say every day. Clearly. Yes. Um, but yeah, it was like a really scary video. I've seen that. I mean, imagine crawling through that. You're hurting yourself to escape because there's a gunman on the loose. Yeah. You're just not sure where it's coming and from. And I used to yeah. go to the Six Flags Kentucky Kingdom when it was open. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's. I don't think it's called that anymore. Um, but yeah, like I just can't imagine just going to an amusement park and this yeah. is happening. Yeah. It's. Uh, we don't want this to be a new normal. It already is. It's America. Yep. What do you mean? Moving on to Scotland, who seems to be doing something right. They're the first country in the world to protect the rights to free menstrual products for all who need them, thanks to a new inclusive piece of legislation. Oh my God, share the the period content. I told you, yeah. Period products. Free Provision Act 2021 came into force today. Scotland has provided free period products to school students since 2017, but the act will now mean councils and education providers must legally provide them for free to all people who need them, regardless of age, gender, and income. This is really important because, you know, a lot of people who menstruate, you know, it costs a lot to uh, have period products, whether it be, you know, uh, you know, work for people at school. It's really important. And those who are unhoused, like there's a, a lot of people that need that as well, which is why a lot of nonprofits raise money around that or, or ask people to donate products. So this should be a thing federally. Finally, we got some monkeypox news. A couple in Paris tested positive for monkeypox less than two weeks later. And after sharing a bed with their dog, they noticed that the dog had developed lesions on his stomach as well as an ulcer. The dog was checked for monkeypox using an adapted PCR test and was found to be positive. Confirmed uh, monkeypox infection that might have been acquired through human contact transmission. Researchers, yes, they're saying that our findings should prompt debate on the needs to isolate pets from monkeypox virus positive individuals. Oh, that is so scary. Why are you looking at me? Yeah, I'm just saying that is crazy. You literally looked at me like my dog has monkeypox. She literally looked at me like Coco is like. Got all the I was just I'm saying, like, like this is just crazy. It's getting you know that next level. Her head was down. Her eyeballs was just like, looking over. I was like, like, can you believe it? What? That is wild, though. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking. It's kind of like when we heard uh, the first time about like COVID. Yes, I was about to say. And they were coughing. I know. I can't imagine a coughing dog. How wild is that? If Coco ever coughed, I'd be like, girl, what is going on? Right. So people, you know, that means you could probably get it from dogs too, right? Animals? I, mean, I don't know. If the dog has it, I think they would have to have it. Yeah, or can uh, you get it from a dog? Like a dog can get it from you. I don't know. Let's just all be careful out there. Get your vaccine. I that- have an answer to that question. What? Producer uh, Shelby. A World Health Organization spokesperson said that it's not likely that once the dog contracts it from a human, they most likely cannot pass it on to a, a human. Or another um, dog? I'm not sure about the dog thing, but they can't give it back to a human See, or a different human. I feel like my neighbors feel like I'm so rude because I just won't let Coco say hi to everybody. I mean, you have to be careful also with fleas. Mm, yeah. Well, she's on medicine for that every month. So well, no, but my it. remember my uh, my previous dog was on girl <laughs> was on uh, medicine for that and went to a dog park and that's why we had to stop bringing him to the dog park because he would always get fleas from those dogs. Oh well, Coco can't relate. Um, wow. <laughs> All right, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? That's true. She can't relate. She's had a lot of. Um, she's on medicine that keeps her healthy. Anyway. Um, so one uh, Hollywood actor, um, you may know him as Spider-Man, he is taking a social media break and he's basically talking about it in a video online. It's a, a time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. Tom Holland fans, 
If you are one, you may have to settle for seeing him on the big screen and television only because he is hanging up the social media. He briefly back, uh, jumped back on Instagram to explain why he's been absent from social media. He has also made it clear that this is a one-time return from now for a cause he's passionate about and is related to why he exited Instagram and his other platforms in the first place. Here's what he had to say. I have taken a break from social media uh, for my mental health because I find Instagram and Twitter to be overstimulating, to be uh, overwhelming. I get caught up and I spiral when I read things about me online. Um, and ultimately it's very detrimental to, to my mental state. So I decided to take a step back and delete the app. So, um, yeah, like I mentioned, it is for a cause that he is working with and that he says that he believes in, um, which makes me feel a little cringe. Wait, what is the cause? The cause is, um, it stems for a charity. It's a mental health organization he helps support through his, um, the Brothers Trust uh, Foundation that he has. And, um, yeah, the organization is at stem for org I really didn't want to talk about it because it feels like... You know, yeah, maybe he believed in this, and who knows if he got paid for it, but it does feel like he got paid for this. So just talk about this organization, and it's just like, so you told us you got back on social media to take a social media break because you got paid for it to highlight an organization. Or more of these, yeah, does he's a part of the gross? organization, so they're like, what would get a lot of attention? And be like, yeah, announcing you're taking a social media break. Doesn't that feel gross? It feels like they could have done it in a smarter way. When he could have just went on Good Morning America and talked about it. Oh, this is more, you know, you are the megaphone. On Good Morning America, it's the yeah. same thing. <laughs> I just I I just find it really weird and I'm like I'm happy like we've seen a, a a real uptick in celebrities kind of going on social saying they're taking a break. I mean Sean Mendes is talking about it, so many others. Um but I just it does feel weird when it's attached to an organization or something yeah. because it does, you know, the behind the scenes of that is like, "Oh, he got a check for that." Uh, or maybe organization, he did. I think it's more know. of a non-profit. You never know. Yeah, so I don't think he got a check. It was just more like how do we get attention? It still to this? feels a little icky. Yeah. But that's your tea report. We got more coming up next hour. That's just my opinion. You should just uh, comment on the video. No, I don't even <laughs> follow him. I I do secretly follow um, on Twitter. It'll show you like just random things. Uh, like like you can follow based on people's names. And uh -huh. I follow Zendaya. Uh huh. And uh, I just see nothing but Zendaya and Tom Holland content. And it's actually my favorite. Oh. They're the cutest celebrity couple. They are. To me. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Welcome back to the show. That was new Lizzo to be loved. And honey, I most definitely fell into temptation because I saw it in the in our little radio thing. And I was like, oh, it's a new song. I'm totally playing it. I don't know if I had to, uh, you know, permission, but actually resisting and not resisting that temptation kind of goes into our next conversation here because um, we're talking about willpower. You know, what comes to mind when you think about willpower and temptation? Well, a new study looked at the role willpower actually plays in how people maintain their self-control and me playing that new Lizzo song was not any <laughs> self-control I just did it because I wanted to joining us to break this down is Zach Irving a professor of philosophy and cognitive science at the University of Virginia thanks so much for joining us Awesome. Thanks so much, Ryan. No, you know, what's so interesting um, about this, I guess I never really thought about the word willpower. That doesn't really seem like mm -hmm. it comes up in everyday conversation. So how should mm -hmm. we be kind of thinking about this when we're thinking about temptation? Because it does feel like it has like a, a negative kind of uh, connotation to it. Yeah. I mean, willpower, you, you think of it as sort of when, when you are provided with it, when you're faced with a temptation, say you got some chips in front of you, 
and you effortfully resist those chips, right? You put everything you've got into it. It's just like not eat them or not take them up. That's willpower. And so it's psychologists have you know, theories of what that is in the brain. Um, but I think it's a sort of a, it's sort of a thing that we engage with all of us all the time in our everyday lives. Uh, totally. But wh- where does it come up more than other times? Because I feel like when you talk about willpower, when you talk mm-hmm. about you know, sex. alcohol, sex, drugs, uh, you know, yeah. uh, doing something bad, possibly more, morally, ethically or something that, you know, isn't good for you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so one way people have thought about willpower, and I don't think this is quite right, but as willpower is just, for example, the way that you resist current temptations to uh, uh, or self-control is what, what you do to resist current temptations in order to do stuff that's better for you in the future. So that sort of connotation with things that are bad is because self-control or willpower, what it does is allows you to do the things that you think are right, but that you're tempted to not do anyways. Okay, so a lot of this feels like, I mean, is just saying no or like kind of, I mean, does saying no really work? Is it that simple to kind of just say no to temptation? Well, not so much. So what we actually found in our study was that um, there's this really close relationship between how ordinary people think about willpower and how ordinary people think about self-control. And so that's actually not quite how uh, economists or psychologists and philosophers have thought about it recently. They've thought really that there's like, there's one thing that's willpower and there's this other thing that's also self-control, which is, you know, your ability, strategies that you use to sort of avoid temptation so you're not tempted in the first place. Yeah. Um, so what we found is that almost all of those strategies are driven by willpower or those strategies insofar as they're self-control, they're always driven by willpower. Um, and so that sort of just say no question, whether that's going to be effective. Well, not quite right. You need sort of strategies to make willpower better. But the way that I've thought of that is, so if you say, for example, say you don't want to eat chips, rather than just, you know, resist chips every time they're in front of you, just don't buy chips and don't put them in the house. That's sort of a more effective way to resist that temptation. But your ability to not buy chips, uh, that takes a lot of willpower, right? At least if you're like me, if you're at the grocery store and you like chips, because I do, it's really, really hard not to buy them. And when you get home, it's really, really hard not to just go to the corner store and buy some more chips. So what we found is that that sort of really effective strategy of just avoiding temptation actually takes a lot of willpower. It just makes willpower more effective. So find ways that can help you do that. We do need a wrap up, but I think like, you know, there are books about small habits um, and being able Mm -hmm. to do those things versus thinking like something's just going to like leave your life. That's why you don't put yourself in situations of drinking and being around people that might want to have sex with you. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know. Is that a personal experience of yours or? You gotta make it personal. I'm like, I know Zach. I said he was a professor of philosophy, <laughs> but he's not your therapist. Um, Zach, thank you so much for being here. I'm so sorry, Sure, just yeah, unloaded that on you. Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> no, this is great. Zach Irving, yeah. check out more of Zach Irving's work. Um, like I said, he is a professor of philosophy and cognitive science at the University of Virginia. Yep. Next up, the number of lonely single men is on the rise. We'll tell you why next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Hey, Shira, we're back. What's up? Yes, more music coming up on Channel Q. 
Look, right now we got some more show in 30 minutes, the report that talks about the repercussions. Do you think we're at the top of the hour, babe? Okay, we're not. We, that is next hour. We are top at the of number hour. of lonely oh single men. Oh my God, men. I'm losing track of my life here. And this is a story that I found to be quite interesting. Yes. So uh, this psychologist basically, uh, uh, this article in the Daily Mail was talking about a number of, quote, lonely single men is on the rise as women with higher dating standards look for partners who are, quote, emotionally available, <laughs> good communicators, and share similar values. All of this brought up a big trigger for me of what is kind of going on in the dating world. Yes. And I find that the fact that there is a, a men are said to be lonelier than ever as they struggle to meet standards of women. An American psychologist, Greg Ma- uh, Matos, said that men need to, quote, address a skills deficit. Yes, that's true. He claimed he found that modern men's biggest problem is communication. Guess what it is? I feel totally. like I'm always, I see so many conversations on Twitter, and this goes from like everybody on the dating pool because you don't have to be like uh, cis and head or cis and queer to like go through this. I think a lot of times just dating, I find the blame to be social media. I mean, and I find the blame to be dating apps because a lot of times good communication is not something that you are, that I at least get. I'm shocked when I find someone who can hold a conversation. Here's the thing. Like shocked. No, here's the thing. Uh, men haven't been taught communication. I mean, if you look at your parents, right, or your grandparents, have men always been communicators? So yes, it, I think it gets worse maybe with the advent of social media and apps and porn. <laughs> what porn got to do with it? Because all, you just get turned on. You don't need to talk to someone and get to know them to get off. I, but I also think porn is so overly saturated with OnlyFans at this point that I don't think it plays that much of a part in the ways that it used to back in whatever. Well, I think it, 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 for some people, uh, they don't feel like they need to put the effort to actually meet someone in real life because they could just get off on their own, unfortunately. Yeah, I can understand that. At that any was like rate, back in 1980s. I, I think this is, no, I do know people that this impacts, but this is a person. Who? Say <laughs> their name. I think this is something, unfortunately, that uh, if we're, we are going to be, you know, uh, sexist about this, or but sexist to who, man? Yeah, Small but I mean, the report, or this comes from this report. Okay, it's not surprising because this. I don't know if this is a generational thing because I do think this has impacted every generation. It's coming to a head now where we're saying, okay. You need to start learning how to communicate. But Shira, it's not just on women. You, you know got to say- think about yeah. it from a perspective where there, you know, we do this job and we give our opinions. But like on TikTok, there are these things that people have created, like podcasts, where they talk about relationships and like cis het men talk about relationships with women about not, you know, because I, I think a lot of folks are like, oh, women want this, or people want this, or this and that and that and that. Where like people are just asking for the basics, and I find like like these lonely single men that they're like that feel like they're lonelier than ever to like struggle to meet some sort of standards aren't willing to meet or do the bare minimum of just like communicating or just talking and getting to know someone. Like they're just wanting someone to just be that perfect person to give them all these things instead of showing up and actually adding value to the the conversation or the relationship. Well, also you got to work on yourself. You got, you know, it's not to go to therapy and like reading books and going to personal development workshops, emotional intelligence, you know, these are things you're not taught, so you need to teach yourself. But I also think that doesn't mean we have to get rid of uh, hookup culture. No. You know what I, I think mean? it gets better, if anything, when you know how to communicate. Imagine how much more you get. What, like sex? Yeah. Oh, okay. And okay. better sex. That's true, especially when you can communicate freely. 
There you go. I got what you want. What you so need. not surprising. Let's do something about it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 